All right, it is certainly good to be here tonight. <clears throat> I want to thank the Lord for uh, the opportunity to stand up here once more, despite circumstances, but I pray the Lord still be with our pastor. I thank you for trusting us to do this. We do have some uh, good men that stand up here. Amen. And, uh, Amen. I enjoy listening to them. So, uh, uh, just like Matt said this morning, it ain't, it, it's not about what, what we preach, but and, and I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I know Jimmy was saying it this morning when he prayed. Um, that comment I made from uh, William Barclay, it was like 80% of the sermon is the congregation's responsibility, so if it falls flat, it ain't my fault, it's your fault. <laughs> but anyway, if you will, you can turn to uh, Numbers chapter 13 tonight. We have an intriguing story of spies uh, going in and, and spying out the... the uh, Promised land <clears throat> and, and some the tale of the of the, of the reply. I guess what, what the story is that come back is all twisted up, and and, and we're going to kind of get a thought out of that. Numbers chapter thirteen. And again, what's happened here? All right, Moses is in charge. Israel has spent their allotted time in the wilderness. They they're they're coming to the border. Of the promised land, they're here. Uh, I think down in verse one, it actually tells you they're in Kadesh Barnea, which which is right to the southern part of of what we know today as Israel. Um, God tells Moses, "Hey, get get one leader." I think, but yeah, verse two tells you it says, "Everyone a ruler among them, uh, not just some random Joe by pick of a lottery. You pick one of the leaders, one of the leadership, one of those twelve. To be a spy, I want you to send them in that land and, and look at what you're going to get, what you're going in for, and then come back and, and report. So, so that's what Moses does. And, you know, we, we sometimes we look at the Bible, and, and especially when we're talking about there in Chronicles where you get so-and-so begets so-and-so, and so-and-so begets so-and-so. It, it is hard to stay concentrated on that. But here in verse uh, 4 down through 16, it talks about the name of these 12 spies. Okay? It names them. It calls them out. Okay? I'm not going to sit here and read them all. We'll, we'll kind of go over them a little bit. But I want to get down um, and, and just kind of pull out a few verses uh, and, and then we'll get into uh, uh, the actual part of the message here. Verse 17, it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, uh, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain." And see the land where it is, and the people that dwelleth there, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. Oh, you've got to have carpenters, right? Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land, now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So then verse 21 down through 25, it talks about they go in. And, and look, I looked this up. I, I, Y'all can't see it, but I always try and keep a reference. That, that's the map of Israel right there. It's small, okay? Israel's small, but it ain't that small. But they, they go 300 miles all the way up, up, up the where the Dead Sea is. Israel's on it. They go 12 are 300 miles up to the furthest point before they turn around and come back. 
they spied it out pretty well. They went a long ways up there. From here, about, I think Atlanta, Georgia is 325 miles. So that's about they walked to Atlanta. That's a long walk. <clears throat> All right, so that, that's about how far they went. So I think they got the lay of the land. They saw the people. They know what crops is growing and all that sort of stuff. And then you come back, and they have to give that report. So you come down here in verse 26 and says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, <clears throat> and all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Here it is, boys. Boom, and they throw them things out there. We always, I've heard lessons on this or sermons on this all my life talking about, you know, here they come in with a rack of grapes between them. It took four of them to carry them things as big as your head. Yeah. You know, we don't know how big the fruit was, but I'm sure it was big. Yeah. Like Barney says, it was real big, you know. <laughs> all right, so they're laying all this stuff out here. Like, look at these sweet potatoes, man. Look at, look at this, look at that. You know, I mean, they're, and everybody's gathering around. They're getting a lot, look at it. They're real excited. Verse 27, and he told him and said, We came into the land uh, whither thou sent us. And surely, surely, it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now they use that word surely there. And, and I got to thinking about that, and we, we've heard where they talked about this as being the promised land. The promised land. The promised land. Where does that come from? And why are they talking about it like surely this is the land? They're referring to something they've heard. Okay? Uh, and, well, we'll take time. I'll go back and then we'll, then we'll pray after we say it. Exodus chapter 3. All right? You don't have to flip there if you want to. You know where it's at. Exodus chapter 3. Now, remember what's happening. Egypt has, been, uh, Egypt has held Israel in bondage for all them years. 358, 359, however long it was. 400 total years. And Moses, uh, if, you, if you know the story, if you don't know the story, Moses had been raised up to be their uh, leader, if you will. And at the time, they didn't know that. And of course, you know, he got uh, caught up. They put him in the bulrushes and, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter picked her up. And so he, he became an inside part of that organization of the Pharaoh. He had a un, unblemished uh, access to the Pharaoh. I mean, pretty much it was his pawpaw. How can you not have access to pawpaw, right? And uh, things happen, he gets in trouble, so he runs away. He's out in the wilderness, and God goes out there seeking him. You know, and then he went through that great thing we just talked about, you know, and he said, well, who am I going to tell him that sent me? And God, God said, you tell him I am sent you. Right. What better statement is that? And remember, we used that when we talked about when them soldiers come and met Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, and he said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. And that was referring back not to I am Jesus of Nazareth. He was referring to back to... In Exodus, when they told him, said, I am. So they fell backwards. How many times you told somebody who you are, they fell backwards? <laughs> All, right. All right, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. This is where they get that promised land deal. And this is God speaking to Moses. He said, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And you think, well, you know, naming all them things. Listen, God nailed this down in this one verse. In every uh, thing of investigation or query, there's called the five W's. The what, the who, the when, the where, and the why. 
Right here it is. The whole thing. He tells them, I'm saving you. That's the who. And then the when, he said, I'm come down to deliver them right now. Why, or, or yeah, why out of the hand of the Egyptians? Uh, I can't read my writing so small. But what? Unto a, la- a good land and a large land flowing with milk and honey. And where? And then he gives all the names of them places. He's telling them how big this place is going to be. And they knew all them people. So they knew how big of a land this was. They knew where they was going. They knew how they was going or, or what was there and all of that. Uh, but, but that phrase there, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then you come back here to this report and they say, surely it floweth with milk and honey. Yeah. All the time that they've been going there and looking for this thing, they didn't just hear it was a good land. They heard the exact phrase that God had given Moses back there in Egypt, uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8, a land flowing with milk and honey. And when they give their report, what do they report back? Surely saying it's exactly just what God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So you know the people are all excited. And then man steps in. Look at that next verse, 28. Nevertheless, (laughs) that's a $10 word for but. (laughs) Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw Bigfoot there. <laughs> At Children of Anak, that's what that is. These are giants. It goes down there and explains it. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. So there's like a race of giants even before them that they're referring to. They saw Bigfoot there. <laughs> All right. And so, you know, you always lead in with the good when you got something bad to say. You know, and then, then you let the lead fall where it is. And that's what they did. And I want to take this example and, and ask this question of, and, and apply it to our, the day we live in today uh, with, with not just all this political stuff, but just in life in general today. And ask the question, where are the Joshuas? And where are the Caleb's that are supposed to be here today? Where are the Joshuas and the Caleb's of the day? So let, let's go to our... Uh, Lord, and word of prayer. Grace, Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you just take this message tonight. Lord, you just speak to our hearts. Um, Lord, I know this focuses more on uh, our, our young people, but Lord, I pray that we would all learn the lessons that, that are here. Lord, you speak to our hearts and gain the knowledge that you need us to have from it. And Lord, I pray that you would speak, um, Lord, just freely, that we don't hinder you in any way. Lord, we'd have the ears to hear. And Lord, I pray that you just take this message and, 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 and get the glory and the honor for it. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, in, in, in referring back to uh, them 12 spies, and, and if you want to see who they are, if you want to mark them for later reference or whatever, uh, Numbers chapter 3, verses 4 down through 16, it specifically names out the man who they're sending, who his father is, and what tribe he's from. There's all that connection. And, and you know, we've talked about it before. The, the Israelites, they're all about that genealogy thing. Well, whose child? I don't care who you are. Whose child are you? I mean, it's about what the the, the confrontation level is. What what's your blood? What's your genealogy? And and then they uh, address uh, importance to you based on that. And as you come through uh, this list, and I did, I, I sat down and I looked at it because uh, there's nothing in the Bible by mistake. Everything's there for a reason. And and this this is a rather 
you know, semi-large group of people, a, a large amount of time spent on this and writing all these names down and who the, whose children they were and what tribe they came out of. So, so there's a reason to it. And we've talked before about how people's names back then were re- really closely associated with their characteristics, who they were. I mean, you weren't named a shyster because you were a good and honest man. <laughs> Your name meant something. And, and I got to looking at some of these names, and, and some of them, it, it, it just started to make sense. And we're looking in hindsight. Remember, these are the 12, the 12 spies. Now, and everybody, I'm sure, knows. Ten of them gave a bad report. Two, only two of them come back with a good report. Right now, we're focusing on those ten. But, but again, remember the effect that these men, uh, the authority these men had. Verse 2 there says, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given to the children of Israel. Of every tribe, of every father shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. These were not just Joe Public. These were leaders. These men set the precedence. These men made the laws and made sure the people followed. Now these spies, now the first one there is named uh, Shemua from the tribe of Reuben. His father's name was Zakur. Shemua means renowned. To stun or grow numb, to be astonished. This was the beach blonde surfer dude. He was the beauty boy. He was the pretty one. To look at him was to stun or to grow numb from looking at him, okay? This was the pretty boy. Uh, the second one, Shaphat, out of the tribe of Simeon, the son of Hori, was, uh, his name means to judge, to vindicate, or to punish, to govern passively. That means that he laid the law down pretty quick. He was quick to judge, but didn't like, you know, he wasn't focused on, okay, now this, it's your fault, but we're going to make sure you know and then you learn from it. Uh, he was quick to judge and forget about it. Kind of a passive judgment type guy. Uh, third guy, his name is Egal of the tribe of Issachar. His father's name was Joseph. Uh, his name means the avenger. That's a good name to have. Right? The Avenger. Uh, to redeem as next of kin and as such to buy back a relative's property. Uh, to marry the widow. And, and if, if you know the story of Ruth and the story of the kinsman redeemer, that's what his name means. That's what he represents. That name of, um, you know, your brother's married. And, and if he dies, then you by law are expected to marry his wife to extend the, 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 the family. Okay? <clears throat> Um, the next one, his name is uh, Palti from the tribe of Benjamin. His father's name was Rafu. <laughs> his name means to slip out or escape. To slip out or escape, delivered, to carry away safe. This was the sneaky guy. This was the Houdini of the tribes. This man could find a way out of anything. You couldn't corner him. In essence, he was a politician. <laughs> he had a correct answer for everything, right? He could, he could always find a way out. Uh, the next guy's name is Gadiel of the tribe of Zebulun. His, his father was Sodi. His name means the giver of fortune, the distributor of fortune. And you think, well, you know, that's a good thing. Well, that's just a kind of a generic term, uh, uh, the giver of fortune. Why is he giving a fortune away? It may have ulterior motives to giving money away. A lot of times... You can't, and, and Matt was talking about this morning, listen, that, that lottery's got all them guys eat up up there at work. And there's one guy, I get on to him all the time, he's like, can't win it if you ain't in it. You can't win if you ain't in it. 
And I'm like, you can't lose it if you don't throw it out there either. I mean, this guy dumps like lots of money in that thing. You know? But, but you kind of, I thought of that when I read that, the giver of money. What's he giving it away for? What's he gaining out of that? What's he getting out of it? I, I don't know if that's exactly what it means. That's what I got out of it. Uh, the next one, his name is Gaddy. Uh, Gaddy is from the tribe of uh, Joseph and Manasseh. His father's name was Sushi. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, his name means to receive the fortune. So if you want to know who, was, uh, who Gaddy L. was giving the money to, it was this guy named Gaddy. He was the receiver of the fortune. Okay? Uh, Amiel of the tribe of Dan, his father's name was Gamali. His name means a flock, a people of God, a congregation. And, uh, you know, you can kind of relate that to being sheep. God always refers to us in the Bible, uh, those that are saved as sheep, unsaved as goats. But, you know, sheep is not an intelligent animal. God's not paying you compliment by saying a sheep is a dumb animal. So you kind of get the idea this man might not have been one of the smartest ones. You call him a, a flock of sheep. <laughs> How far down there? Okay, anyway. All right, the next one is Sether. Sether was of the tribe of Asher. His father's name was Michael. Uh, his name means hidden, to hide, to be absent, to conceal, to keep secret. And you kind of get the idea he'd been hanging out with that pal tie guy. <laughs> and listen, when I read that, I had to laugh because it reminded me of that one sitting right there, Tucker. Listen, we went down. He was always good about He was quiet. I mean, he'd walk right up behind you. You'd never know who was there. He was a little ninja baby. <laughs> we went down to Mom and Daddy's one day. I don't know if Daddy was there or not. I can't remember. Uh, we started to leave, and we got looking for him, and he wasn't nowhere. And I mean anywhere. We, leave, we looked upstairs. We looked downstairs. We looked in the basement. We're looking outside. Uh, Mama's beyond panic. Kim's panicking. And I'm sitting there going, you know, where could he have gone? I mean, he just walked out the door uh, and just kept going, you know, because I remember growing up, we could do that. We could just go out the door and miles and miles of woods. You could just keep going. I mean, I forget how long it was. You remember how long? I mean, it was a while. And we're, we're, we've already dialed 9 1. And, you know, we were just kind of making sure before we hit that last one. And we're like, Tucker, Tucker, you know. And Kim's like, boy, if you're in this house, you better show your face or I'm going to, you know, how mama, you know, they're panicking. And I'm standing down there in the basement, or we're all standing down in the basement, we're all kind of looking, and, and, and there's a, a, a closed cupboard over there in the corner. And you hear that door go, <laughs> and you look over and Tucker goes, <laughs> he just, like, <laughs> oh, he was a sneaky one, I'll tell you what. And that, that's how this guy uh, Sethur is. He was the hidden one. You could never find him when you needed him. Then there's only a couple more. Nabi uh, was of the tribe of Naphtali. Uh, he his name means the occult. Oh, here here you go. The occult. It means to hide in the heart. This is the guy that held all the secrets, all the dark stuff. He had all the information on everybody. Next one is Geluel. Uh, Galuel was from the tribe of Gad, and it means majesty of God, to mount up, majestic. And, and that, that's a good honorable name, majesty of God. But, but can you imagine what, kind of, what it might do to a person who's named majesty of God what kind of, if, it, if it went here instead of here? Right. All right. Um, and then, of course, you had Joshua and you had Caleb. 
And, and we'll get into their names when we get to that part of it a minute ago. But here you got these ten guys. Uh, none of them really have a good, really outstanding name. I mean, you got one that's uh, named after the occult. You got one that's called a deceiver. You got one that's called the hider. And you got one called the uh, you, you see this group of people together. These were the leaders that were sent out. And they come back with that story. And it's like, oh yeah, the, the, the land is awesome. It's great. It's just like God said. Surely it is the land of milk and honey. But they got Bigfoot there. <laughs> I do. I keep friends. Listen, y'all. I, I do watch them shows about Bigfoot. I, I don't say whether they are or whether they ain't. There's a lot of stuff they're still finding out in them oceans like that giant squid. Ever see that one? And now they're finding that the, uh, was the, there's a new shrimp. Uh, the, not a new shrimp, but a, um, it's a little a Humboldt shrimp. And if that thing gets a hold, let me tell you, it got a hold of one of them divers and it knew to come up behind him and it grabbed his arm and ripped it back. It was trying to snap his arm off. And you know, they got them arms and then they come around and got that big parrot-like beak in the middle and the guy's explaining, he said, imagine two, two big guys grab you by the shoulders and then another one comes in and rips that arm and then there's this 10-foot parrot sitting there going yak, yak, yak on your shoulder. <laughs> I had to laugh, but yeah, I guess it would kind of scare you, especially since you can't breathe underwater. And what did he do the next day? He goes diving right back down there again. I'm like, all right, buddy, it's on you. It ain't on me no more. <clears throat> but there's all kinds of stuff out there. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think it's more entertainment than anything for me. I don't know. But here they do have giants. These sons of Anak. They come from a race of giants. Now, where they come from, all through the Bible, David dealt with one. We know his name, Goliath. And all um, just from the hints of some of the equipment that Goliath had there, we do know now this, they weren't just calling them giants and they were like six foot seven, you know, like Matt, we've got our own son of Anak back there. <laughs> but I mean, these guys were huge. They were big people. And they're finding these footprints everywhere. I don't know. But, you know, that's another story for another time. But we're on this. But, but you see how these spies, they come back and they're like, oh, yeah, but oh, man, we're in trouble. We can't defeat these people. We cannot defeat these people. And, and the point of it is, is they knew enough of what God had told Moses all the way back there in Exodus that they had the five W's. They knew the what, the when, the where, all of that, the why. But what they got hung up on was the how. They, didn't, they weren't concerned about who he was or what he could do or when he'd do it. They wouldn't know how. And until they knew the how... They acted like, well, we just don't have enough information to have that faith. And I got to think about that, and I thought, you know, a lot of times, I know who God is. I've had Him do things for me all the time that I know He's capable of doing. Does anybody in here doubt God has the power to do what He says He can do? Not anybody. Do we not believe that when He says, I'll do it, that He will do it? We believe He'll do it. Now we know and we understand that sometimes there's a lot of patience involved in it that God will do it on His own time. But do I think He just won't flat out do it? No, I don't believe that. I believe He will. But we get hung up when we get to that sixth element of it, the how. We won't know how. How are you going to do it? If we could ever know the how, I think we wouldn't have as many problems as we do have. Because then we have the whole equation. But God sometimes don't want us to have the whole equation. Because if we have the whole equation, we're going to be tempted to think, well, look, I pulled that out. I did that. 
And as you go through this story, you can kind of see these guys are scared. And they got the people all lathered up. They got all scared. Look down there in, in chapter 14. Look at what the people did when they found out. Verse 1, chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. You ever cried all night? From fear? That's where they were. They cried all night because they were afraid. Verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Well, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the preacher. He's the one standing up there with the target, right? You're going to blame the preacher. And the whole congregation said unto them, <clears throat> Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. This is not the first time they've used that phrase. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. That's a sad lot of people right there. Let's go back into bondage. That's what they're saying. 400 years is not enough. Let's go back into bondage. And I've thought about that before. When they say that, what are they going back to? Because you remember what happened when they left. The entire army got drowned. What are they going back to? It's not like there was a political power in play. There was chaos in Egypt after that for many years. When they left, let me tell you, that was a bridge that was well burned. I mean, there wasn't even no ashes left. There wasn't no going back. No. Only going forward. <clears throat> so these people, they cried all night. You see they had insomnia. They cried all night. Insurrection. They turned in against the preacher and then they had intolerance. Well, we just don't want to deal with it no more. Let's just go back home. Let's just go back to what we do now. And, and you, you, it's strange because I was reading it this afternoon. I didn't even get that far this week. But uh, that part there in the end of verse 2, would God that we had died in the land of Israel or would God that we had died in this wilderness they don't even realize that what they're doing is naming their own death sentence. That's right. yeah. Now if you don't know, um, this is the first time they approach the promised land. When the spies go in and they spy, ten come back with a bad report, two, Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report. We're going to jump to the end here, <laughs> then we're going to come back. Okay? And when they come back with that, and these people do this, God said, alright, I've had enough. Yeah. And Moses and Aaron said, now hold on, just like they always have to do, they have to pray for the people even though they're blaming them. Moses and Aaron were quite men. <laughs> I mean, before long you'd think, God, zap them. Show them who's boss. Moses and Aaron always seem to be those that, Lord, just forgive them. You know, and, and God says, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. They're going to turn around and they're going to go back. <clears throat> they're going to go back into the um, wilderness and going to stay out there. And I forget where it was. Over here in chapter... 14 verse 26 down through 33 it talks about it all uh, they're going to go back for another 40 years that's for how long they were complaining I think it was 40 days they were complaining or something they, they, they named her. he said they're going to all die out there just like what, the, what they said right there they're going to die in the wilderness that's what they're going to do all except Joshua and Caleb and his descendants and listen even goes so far to say that they won't have to their clothes ain't going to wear out or nothing God's going to take care of them and all that um, God's looking out for them but everything they said over there hey it would have been better if we had died in, well, okay, that's what you're going to get. <clears throat> yeah. So sometimes we must be extra careful on things that we complain about. Because yeah. right. even though we kind of 
haven't been there and we're complaining, well, that could have happened. God might just turn around and do like He did Israel and say, well, you said it, not me, so let's just put you through it and see what you really should have, what you did miss, you know? So we need to be careful sometimes what we do complain about. Might all be thankful we didn't get that far. Uh, All right, so we see that uh, pouting of the people there. Now, the proclamation of the two saints. Of course, we're talking here about our two scouts, talking about Joshua and Caleb. Let me go back here and give you their names and what they mean. Now, now Joshua is, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if you've heard this before or not, but Joshua is the Old Testament version of the New, uh, New Testament named Jesus. Yes, Same name, Joshua, right. Jesus. But, but here, if you look over there, there's a little bit different spelling. In uh, verse number 8, Numbers 13, verse 8, it says, Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, with an O there, Oshia. This is Joshua. Now, this is not the first time he's introduced. We know all the way back that, that he's come all along, that he's a, he's a trusted ally of Moses. Uh, he's used with the uh, military, becomes like the military leader, uh, the general, if you will. Uh, but here his name is, is, is uh, formally given as Oshua. Oshia, I should say. Oshia. And, and, that, ma- and that name means deliverer. Deliverer. But I want you to notice, look down in verse 16 and it says, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. That's where he kind of changes the pronunciation to Joshua. And, and you think, well, big deal. Is it not written in the Bible? There's a key significance to what happened here. Something that he's calling out and God told him, you write that down. For a reason, for a purpose. Right. Now, deliverer, by the name, it carries the the of uh, great influ- influence on what's going on with this group of people. But the name Joshua means Jehovah saved. That's a little bit different definition than just plain deliverer. Anybody could be a deliverer. If Bo fell down on the ground right here, and I reached down and saved him right before he hit the ground, I've delivered him from injury. But Jehovah saved, that's naming who the deliverer is. Nobody else could do that but Jehovah. And so when he changed that name from Oshia to Joshua, he went from deliverer to Jehovah saved. And that nailed it down. There's no doubt who's going to save them. And Moses does this right before they go into the promised land to spy it out. He changes Joshua's name and it kind of puts that idea in Joshua's head. This is God's doing. This is God's doing. I got to remember, God promised us this land. God promised us this land. And so that's the thought. When he goes in there, his mind was set straight. He wasn't thinking about like, oh, what the mother, where's a good place to hide? <laughs> All right. Of course, you're going out to spy in a place. You might want to take that fellow with you. You know how to get out of there. <clears throat> All right. And then there's Caleb. Caleb. Now I know there's some people named Caleb Dan. The first one I thought of was uh, uh, Joy Beth's sister. Uh, not sister, brother, yeah. His name's Caleb. Listen here. In the Hebrew, the name Caleb means an attack dog. <laughs> Don't you like that? You want somebody on your side in a fight, you take Caleb. Find somebody named Caleb, the attack dog. And, and, and listen, through this story, all right, and, and this, kind of get a picture of it. And you look here when these 10 spies come out there and they say, 
Oh, you know, it's good. Oh, but nevertheless, hey, they got Bigfoot over there. Josh, I mean, not Joshua, Caleb steps up in chapter 13 and verse 30. Look what he says here. They're like, they got the Amalekites and all that. They got the sons of Anak. They got those Bigfoot over there. Verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. You, you could just kind of see how oh, they're starting to whine and Caleb stands up there and goes, and, and they just kind of got, <laughs> they knew this boy's background. I, I mean, he was just like, he just gave him that look and he said, uh, and stilled the people and said, let us go up at once and possess it. He's ready to go. Do you see any hesitation in that? Let us go up at once and possess it. He didn't even have any doubt of what would happen. For we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. That is pure faith right there. Do you think he's saying we have the power to do it? I don't think any of that. No, he knows the God that they serve. God had promised them and even told them the land and, and, and the people that was going to live there when they got there and how they was going to come in and possess that land. Now how do you come in and possess it? Somebody has to go in there and get rid of what's in this place. And never tell them they'd have to go in, go in and what. But I mean, they, they did have the army and they had to go in and do it. But God did the fight. And Caleb had no doubt. And Caleb's out there barking at them. Tell them, hey, let's go in and do this thing now. What are we waiting on? We've got God behind us. And even Joshua and them together, and they come out and they start, and the people start complaining and all that. And then it gets down here in verse 6, down through 10. And here's where Joshua and Caleb join, join forces and says they rent their clothes. They rent their clothes. And when they rent their clothes, it's a, it's a, it's a symbolic gesture of grief and loss. Look, Josh and Caleb, they know they're about to lose something great here. They've seen what's happened before when these people complain. And every time they complain and every time they whine and every time they holler, it usually motivates God to take extreme action. Amen. Extreme action. And I'm not talking about people getting sick. I'm talking about thousands dying. Thousands dying. God doesn't do that today. And people use that as an excuse to say, well, God's changed His mind. God has not changed His mind. When God says it's wrong, it's still wrong. God has not changed His mind. Amen. You better just be thankful we don't live under the land or under the law, but we live under the age of grace. God has extended you grace. Don't misconstrue that for acceptance. And a lot of people, and, and I think about that all the time when I read that verse about many will stand before me and say, Lord, Lord. They're falling on that. They are totally committed and believe that God says it's okay. That's, and they, they're not being judged. Nothing bad happens. So they have convinced themselves that God says it's okay. So therefore, I'm going to keep on going doing what I'm doing there. If God, it, and it falls right down. I mean, so simple as thus saith the Lord. That's all you got to rely on. Mark it down. If God said it, you believe it. Amen. If God didn't say it, you shun it. Shun it. And you'll be alright. It's as simple as that. Everybody's like, well, what do you think God... It, ain't, it don't matter what I think. I have my opinion just like you do. Don't make me a greater man than you. Don't make you a greater man than me. What does the Lord say about it? Look in the Bible. Look in the Bible. 
And, and it, it's just common sense. You know some things is wrong. You know that's wrong. You know why? Because God instilled that in our hearts. You know when you're doing something wrong and your heart ain't beating normal. <laughs> I wonder what God's... He's already talking to you. He's already telling you, right? So, so over here in verses 6 through 10, chapter 14... Now Joshua and Caleb get over here and, they, and they're telling him, hey, what you're, hold on a minute, people. Is this not what God had promised us? God promised us this. Look at verse 6, or, or verse 8. This is where they talk about the, uh, what, what, what the Lord is doing, really. Verse 8, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. You notice how he connected it all the way back there to what he said next. The land flow with milk and honey. These people had heard this, reversed it, rehearsed it, and rehearsed it till they knew without a doubt the connection. God, promised land, milk and honey. They knew the connection. Verse 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Right. Right. Joshua's trying to convince these people, hey, don't forget who your God is. Right. For 40 years we've seen Him work. All these are a group of communities. Have you already forgot what He's done to the greatest military Amen. might yeah. Yeah. of the land? Amen. And how He did it? Who would have come up with that? Right. Moses... Get your people together. Make them stand still. What? Stand still. We got to run. Stand still. Be quiet. And see the salvation of the Lord. When you want to run and hide, but God tells you to be still, that's when he's working his most. And God told him, said, look behind you. He said, I'm going to open up that ocean. You go out and walk across that thing and I'm going to save you. And you heard the debate. Oh, well, it wasn't really an ocean. It was a marshland and all this kind of stuff. Listen, the Bible said they went across on dry land. It said that God sent a wind down through there. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going down through there saying, it's okay. I'm marking the path. Come this way. Trust in me. Lean not unto thine own understanding. I'll be a light unto your path. You can hear him saying all them things. We have as chunks and particles all down through the Bible, there are millions of people coming out there. Millions of people. And they get to the other side and here comes that Egyptian army following right down through there, all them chariots and all that. And, there, and then people are looking out back there and Moses standing out there and he says, okay, just wait. God said he's going to handle it. And, and I, I think it's an ocean. I just believe it's an ocean. A sea. Sea and ocean. That's just spelling differences. It's still a big body of water. And here they are. They're coming down through there and you see them big walls just standing up there. And then get, can't you just hear it? I, I mean, put yourself in that situation. All that wind is swirling around. You hear the oceans all kicking up, you know. And then all of a sudden, it just gets deathly quiet. The wind stops blowing. And you're looking out on there and all of a sudden them big old walls just start going... Whoosh! Just like, I'm sorry, Nora, I made you jump, didn't I? <laughs> Everybody jump. You see that water just come in, whoosh! And just like a washing machine on a 
epic scale and swallows all them people up. They all saw it. And God did it on such a big scale, I believe, so that all them people had a witness to what happened. They didn't have to go, did you see what happened? No, I didn't see what happened. Did you see what They all saw it. God put them somewhere. They all could have seen it. They all had a front row seat. Nobody missed it. And it says right after they come through that, they come in tomorrow with that bitter water and they start hollering, Wood God, you know, the water's bad. Let's turn around and go back. Really? You just come through one of the greatest epic things that ever happened to a group of people and you're going to start complaining. Well, that's what they're doing here. And I want to focus that on today. Now, if you don't know this, when we refer to the promised land, we're not referring to heaven. Okay? It's a place of, of content, of blessing, that sort of thing. Listen, we as Americans today, we're in our promised land. America is our promised land. It's a land of blessing. It's a, it's a land of milk and honey. I mean, we've had technology. We've had uh, just agricultural things. And listen, it's been all God. It's been all God. Because those forefathers took a stand and said, we're not going to do what, what the governmental church wants us to do. We're going to say, thus saith the Lord. And we're going to do that. Fooey on the king. Fooey on the Egyptians, i.e. the British. <laughs> we're going to make our own stand. And listen, you go back and read the history books that the government don't want you to read no more. And some of them battles in the Revolutionary War, listen, we're talking about the world's most fearsome army going up against farmers. I kid you not, these guys had no military training. Yes, after a couple of years they gained it, but when it started they had none. And some of them fights, it was 10 to 1, 50 to 1, 100 to 1. And said some of them fights were so uh, intense that they, they found architecture or whatever it is where the bullets hit each other and drop straight to the ground. That's a pretty thick fight. And somehow they pulled it off. But that's not the real answer. They didn't pull it off. God pulled it off. Even the story of, of Washington crossing the Delaware. And no other night during that, that time when they were there did that river fog over except the exact moment when he had to and it fogged over. The, the night the British come into Trenton, if they'd have come in one day earlier, they'd have caught George Washington and the whole thing would have been over. But they hit a fog bank and had to, re- had to stay back for one more day. Oh, that's just nature. Well, yeah, you believe that. I got this. I believe in the master of the sea. I believe he could do that. And I believe he did do that. But sometimes we have to have Joshua's. And we have to have Caleb's in the day that we live in. We need an attack dog. (laughs) We need to have one whose name says Jehovah delivered. And they need to proclaim that. I'm not saying that they need to go and fight. But they need, they, that's the next generation that needs to. We've got the Moses and the Aaron's of this day. What about the next generation? Yeah. Who's going to be the Joshua and the Caleb to step in next? Yeah. And it's not just one in, the, in, in our land, there needs to be several. Yeah. 
But, but I think of it, uh, uh, who is going to be the leader? It got real quiet. <laughs> it's just challenging you young people. I, I, I've seen some, uh, there's some that are, uh, I'm not going to call their names out, but uh, uh, one of the young girls in here came to me, I guess it's been about three or four weeks ago. And where well, her mom came to me first, and she said, she's got some questions out of the book of Revelation. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay. So I sat down with her, and, and, and she come up here, and, and she, listen, she breaks out this notepad. It's got like 30 questions in there. And I'm like, okay, now she's ready. And she's asking me all kinds of pretty in, in, intricate questions. You know, what does it mean when it says this? How does this fit in here? That, I, and, and, and really, it surprised me. She wanted to know. Well, she's, she's starting a, a podcast for teenagers, I think it is, for young kids, uh, on teaching them about Christ. And I'm thinking, good for you. Good for you. And I'll help you as much as you need it. And so that's part of the seeds that are sprouting. You see what I'm saying? They're coming up. They're growing. And we need to see more of that. And, 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 and we think, well, you know, I, I'm not that kind of person. But listen, God encourages us to do this. He says in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe it. And lo, and this is the part I'm getting to, and lo, I am with you always, Amen. even Amen. unto the end of the world. Amen. You notice God's not telling them, I'm going to give you a silver platter and I'm going to give you a soft path to go. But he says, I'm going to be there with you all the way to the end. Amen. And only as he encourages us, he empowers us. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Aaron said it the other night. I have overcome the world. He empowers us and he also enables us. Isaiah 41, 10, 13. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. Listen, when I read that, I thought, man, what a better statement is that. You remember when you're just having a bad day, and what do you want to do? You want to go and hold your mom and your dad's right hand. They hold your right hand. That right hand is, is symbolic of power. Power. And listen, in reading this, he tells us some things. For the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. There's five promises he gives here. I'm going to give you these in closing. Hint, hint. <clears throat> five promises. Five is what? The number of what? I've said it enough. The number of grace. G-R-A-C-E. There's your spelling for the week. I will strengthen thee. That was the first thing he said. G, that's to gather your resources. He says, I'm going to gather your resources and give you the strength you need. I'll be your energy drink. Second, he says, I will help thee. That's the R. That's the rescue, the relief, the remedy for everything that ails us. I'm going to help you. Third, he says, I will uphold thee. That's the A. Uphold means to advocate, to aid, to assist. The A in grace. Then he says again, that, that phrase, I will hold thy right hand. That's the C. The capability and the capacity. He doesn't expect us to come fully armed for the battle. He just expects us to show up and He arms us. Amen. That's what Timothy said there. Uh, to, to put on the whole armor of God. 
It's the armor of God. It's not your armor to begin with. How can you put on what you have? You've got to put on His armor. He has to give it to you. And then the fifth one. He said that second time I will help thee. That's the E, to encourage and the endurance. We don't have the capability to do what we do. It's not within us. He has to give that to us. It's His work, not our work. So He has to give us the way to do it. All right. So again, I say, where are the Joshuas? Where are the Caleb's today? God always told us there'd be a small remnant. They're somewhere. I wonder if they're here or somewhere else. I wonder who they are. If I see it in my lifetime. Or is there not going to be any? Is the time past? This could be the end. That's why we, it is, today is the day of salvation. You never know. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Amen. If you will, stand. And, uh...